You're listening to a brand new episode of the Not So Nerdy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and if you enjoy our content, please make sure to follow us on Twitter at NSN Podcast. Again, that is NSN Podcast. And please rate, review, and subscribe where you get your podcast. Thank you. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the Not So Nerdy Podcast. My name is Owen, and I am your host. This is issue number 15, and I'm actually recording by myself today, so it's going to be a little bit shorter of an episode. Um, I have a pretty cool topic I want to talk about that I hopefully will last me a good amount of time, but it's definitely going to be shorter today. Before we get into that, though, uh, just a little news that broke out earlier today. Uh, Comic-Con for 2020 has been canceled. Um, that's really sad news. You know, Comic-Con's a great time where we get a lot of content, a lot of trailers, a lot of announcements. Um... So yeah, unfortunately it was canceled. Hopefully though, with this now being canceled, Marvel, DC, whoever will be releasing trailers to kind of supplement um, the cancellation. You know, obviously, you know we get a lot of teasers, a lot of announcements at Comic Con. So hopefully something comes our way in the form of you know digital interview maybe or just they release a trailer for something. Um, who knows? But yeah, that came out earlier today. Um, it's really kind of sad news. Really kind of sucks to hear, but unfortunately that's the way things are right now and. It's all closer steps. It's all getting us closer to having a normal life again. Um, so like I said, I have a pretty cool topic I want to talk about today. Uh, I've been seeing this on Twitter for the past couple of days, and a lot of people have been ranking the Spider-Man movies um, and just kind of talking about which ones are favorite, which ones they like, which ones they don't like, and why. Uh, so I took, I, you know, I wanted to do the same thing, and I wanted to talk about it today uh, as a kind of little, little activity. So... There are eight movies in total. I'm going to be doing my least favorite to my favorite. Um, and I'm just going to jump right into it. So for number eight and number seven, I kind of have them looped together. Uh, number eight is The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. And number seven is The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I think these movies were, you know, were decent movies. Um, the cast was great. Andrew Garfield, I think, was a good Peter Parker. He brought a unique take to the character that I haven't really seen before. Um, I thought Emma Stone was great as Gwen Stacy as well. Her death was really sad in the second movie. Um, you know, I think that the storylines they were doing were really good as well. I mean, that's the first time we've seen a live-action death of Gwen Stacy, so I thought that was a good take they did with the character and everything. So um, I just don't think Sony had put enough into them. Um, you know, I think that they were so concerned with setting up something like Marvel Studios was doing with, like, a cinematic universe. Um I just don't think that they focused, they didn't focus too much on the movie at hand. And I think a lot of it was, let's just use Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2 to set up the universe that we're building with Sinister Six. And not that I wouldn't have loved to see that, but when you're making a movie, you got to think about the movie first and then the setup later. Um, and I think that this, that haunted the movies. And I, I think that's why they're, you know, low on a lot of people's lists that I saw on online. And I think that's why they're low on my list, too, is that Sony just didn't put enough into them. Um, the only reason that I have Amazing Spider-Man 2 above Amazing Spider-Man 1 uh, was because of the costume. I honestly, the, the the suit that Peter wore in Amazing Spider-Man 2 over the one in Amazing Spider-Man 1 was so much better. Um, I love more comic-accurate stuff. I think that that's just better the better way to go about it. Um, when you're making a movie or making a TV show related off of comic book material, um, 
And I just think that, the, that it just made it look better. And I felt that he wore pretty well and he, you know, it worked with the way that they designed it. So that's the only reason why Amazing Spider-Man 2 is up higher on the list than Amazing Spider-Man 1. So number six, I have Spider-Man 3. Uh, and the reason this is down here, you know, obviously this is the probably the most talked about movie out of the Tobey Maguire uh, trilogy. Um, and I just thought this movie was plain weird. Like, kind of, like, goofy. Um, and I didn't really like how they handled the character of Venom. Don't get me wrong, I love Venom as a character. You know, reading the comics and everything he's been through with being a bad guy, then an anti-hero, and, you know, then he was a straight hero with Flash Thompson and Agent Venom. You know, and obviously they can't cram that into one movie. Um, but just what they did with him just didn't feel right during the time. And... You know, when I was younger, I enjoyed it. It was a Spider-Man movie. But now, you know, watching it again, I don't think it really holds up. And, you know, I just, again, just didn't like what they did with Venom at all. Um, and, you know, he was just one of three villains. And I think that that was, this is like the classic online gripe with it. But, you know, I just, I don't, th there's too many of them. You know, you, you were unsure about who the main villain was. And, yeah, you could say it was Venom. Yeah, you could say it was New Goblin and everything. But, like, I just didn't, you never could really tell. And I thought Sandman was a weird kind of side story. And they were trying to make you feel sympathetic for the character by showing his daughter and everything. And something about that, it just, it felt too clogged. Um, the movie itself felt really clogged. And the one thing about New Goblin that bothers me as well is his redemption story. It was good. Don't get me wrong, when, you know, when he found out that Peter was Spider-Man and then it caused that big rift in between them, I thought that was a good story arc, you know. It causes this mistrust, you know, why was Peter lying to me all these years? You know, why would he do that to me, blah, blah, blah. It, I get it causes some hate, too, because he thinks Peter killed his father, you know. But the redemption story overall was handled really well, and then right at the end, when the butler tells Harry about his father's death and how it was a glider that actually killed him not spider-man that made literally no sense to me um i thought that you know why would the butler wait so long to tell him then you know it's been obviously it's been a couple months since spider-man 2 when harry found out and it's why why wait that long um and i understand like it's a story element of you know, Harry realizes he was wrong, and then he goes, helps Peter and everything, and that makes sense movie-wise, but it doesn't make sense logically. You know, why would he wait that long to tell Harry about his dad's death, and it actually wasn't Spider-Man? Um, so that always just struck me kind of, eh. And, you know, there's a lot of things in the movies, in that movie that they just did weird. Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is the dancing scene. It's just, why? Why was that needed? Um, so again, you know, this is number six on my list. You know, obviously I had to cut it some slack cause it's with two other really good movies. Um, but something about it just doesn't strike me right. You know, it's, it's weird. Um, going up to number five though and stick with Tobey Maguire, I have the first Spider-Man. Now, before I say anything, cause I know people are going to freak out about this. This movie has my respect for starting the trilogy that we got and starting, you know, being one of the first movies in two decades worth of superhero movies. You know, I think the only other really comic book movie around this time was the X-Men movies. Um, and I think that this, this movie specifically really showed that, 
you know, these movies could succeed in the box office and they could be good stories and they could do really well and people would be interested in seeing them. Um, so the movie has my respect. Love it. I will sit down and watch it all the time. Looking back on it, though, there are some flaws, me personally, that I didn't like. I know, I know I, I'll, some people won't really agree to everything that I say, but the one thing that I, I didn't really like was the Green Goblin costume. William Defoe, I thought, played a great Norman Osborn. He was scary, and then when he especially went insane, he was even more scary. You know, he was threatening. His face, something about his face when he's a maniac just terrified me as a kid. Um, I actually didn't like watching the scene where he become the Green Goblin because it, it scared the hell out of me. Um, so I thought he was great, but I thought something about the costume just didn't... It was William Defoe himself as a character and as Norman was terrifying. But then when he put on the costume, I lost it. It wasn't really scary. Um, and I get, like, okay, you know, that was the first time you've really seen, like, a live-action Green Goblin. And, you know, that's hard to do based off the source material because, obviously, the source material looks like skin, stuff like that. And I completely take going, you know, completely get going the armored route, you know, especially with how much money Norman Osborn has and everything. But something about it, and every time I just look at it, I'm like, Neh. like, it's not really that that terrifying. Um, so, and I, and I think the Green Goblin deserves to be a little bit scarier than that and what that costume portrayed. Um, and the other thing, I'm going to get crucified for this, Tobey Maguire doesn't really scream Spider-Man to me. Um, and I thought this too when I was younger, you know, I want to, I want to say that, oh, when I was younger, it worked, but you know, I, re I can't confidently say that when I was younger, you know, that to me was Spider-Man. Um, he just seems very old. And, you know, we see the transition into college in Spider-Man 1, I believe, and I just never fully bought into the fact that he was a high school and a college kid. He just looked too old to me, and I think that part of the, the thing about Spider-Man is that he is a kid. He is in high school. You know, he's dealing with these superpowered beings every other day, and then he's got to go and take a math quiz. Like, that to me is just appealing about the character, um, and I didn't get that with Tobey Maguire, and I, I still don't get it with Tobey Maguire. Um... You know, rewatching these movies, it just didn't feel right. Um, but, I mean, the movie is great. I, you know, again, I will sit down and watch it whenever I get the chance. But those are just a couple things that kind of, eh. And that's why it's ranked number five on my list. Um, you know, but again, it, it is a good movie. It is a good movie. Those are just a couple things that I kind of have grievances with it. Um, going into my top four. This is number four. Uh, we have Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, now, let me say, this is a good movie. It's a good movie. Just nothing special, though. I mean, Spider-Man is my favorite character. I was beyond excited when we saw Tom Holland as Spider-Man in Civil War. That reveal to me made the movie. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people say the same thing, too. And I'm sure because of that, a lot of people were thrilled and so excited when we found out that he would be getting his own movie, you know, a year later. And it would be uh, Michael Keaton as Adrian Toomes as the Vulture and everything. And, you know, I think he had everything going for him. It's a great, it's a good movie. I'm not going to say it's a great movie because I don't think that it is. I think it's a, it's a good movie. Um, you know, and I think his full film debut as a character, I think he handled great Tom Holland. I mean, um, and I thought that the characters they brought in, you know, with Liz and... Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Ned. Um, I thought they were all great and everything, too. Um, 
if there's one thing that I really want to talk about from this movie, it's the prom scene. It's, you know, the final act of the movie, Peter goes to Liz's house to take her to the prom, you know, and the door opens and it's Adrian Toomes standing there. And it's so well done because Peter's so awkward and he's so silent. You know, we see him as soon as he opens that, as soon as Toomes opened the door and he's like, oh, you must be Peter. All of the, like, all of the color from Peter's face just washed away. And I thought that was hilarious. I chuckled, you know, when it first happened. I laughed at it. And then the subsequent scenes of him standing in the house and the way he just kind of slaps the the corsage on Liz's chest when he's like, she's like, oh, you got me a corsage? Like, he's visually nervous. And I thought it was just a good gag for the scene. But underneath, there was a lot of tension because he was thinking in his mind, oh, shit, oh, shit. And I think that just made it so much better. And then even more so... The car scene just elevates it even more because that's where Adrian Toomes finds out about finds out that Peter is Spider-Man, um, and that to me just adds so much more tension and it makes it even better. And once that reveal happens and you see it on Toomes's face when he realizes um, who Peter is, it just makes it so much better. And the music in it too just elevates the scene even more. And there's so much subtext in the scene, and I didn't notice it the first time I watched it. I actually realized it after I went online after the movie. And, you know, the scene where P- uh, Toomes turns around, and he's looking at Liz and Peter, and he's talking to him, and he's like, oh, you're good pal Spider-Man. The stoplight turns green, and he's just got this green cast over his face. And obviously, green is the color of the vulture. So, so the what I was reading was, you know, that's the visual cue that he's not Liz's father anymore in that moment. He is the vulture. You know, he is not here to take them to prom. He's going to intimidate Peter, and he's going to let them know, like, hey, I know who you are, and stay out of my business, which he eventually does. And I think there's just so much about that scene. That's the subtext in it. Um, It's so good. And something similar, too, is it's... If you ever played Spider-Man PS4, I remember an interview for that, where they said the best Spider-Man stories are where Peter Parker's world and Spider-Man's world collide. And that scene in the car is a perfect is a perfect context of that. You know, it's Peter can separate it. Okay, yeah, I'm Spider-Man now. I'm fighting this guy. He's bad. But then when he opens a door and he's Peter and he realizes that the guy he's been fighting all along is his girlfriend's dad, it's those two worlds colliding and it makes it so much better. And I, you know... Similar to him opening the door when Michael Keaton figured it out in the car, I laughed again, and I thought, Peter screwed. Like, it just, when you get the audience to participate in the movie, it makes it so much more better, and that's what that scene did for me. Um, But again, overall, the movie, it's a good movie. I enjoy it. I think Tom Holland is great as Spider-Man, and that, to me, is just the one special scene in that movie. I'm sure people will argue that there's more and I will gladly listen to it, but that to me is the most special scene in the movie and it's the most tense and one of the best scenes within that film. Going up to my top three, uh, number three is Spider-Man two. Um, now the reason, the reason that this is the beginning of my top three is that it lives up to the hype that it gets online. You know, everything I read online is about how good Spider-Man two is of a movie and how well it's done and how well, you know, Toby portrays a character and everything, and I completely agree. Um, this movie, going from Spider-Man 2 to Spider-Man 3, eh, huge disappointment. But this movie is great, and the one thing I love about it is the theme of self-doubt. Um, 
it's felt within everyone. You know, everybody's had moments of anxiety and doubt and kind of just like, ah, I don't know if I can do it. And it made the movie resonate with people and it resonated with me. You know, at first when I was younger, you know, I didn't understand, you know, why was he losing his powers? Why were they, you know, on the fritz and kind of freaking out a little bit? But, you know, watching it older in college and, and you know, being more of my own person, I get it. The, you know, you have doubt. You have these kind of things that cause you stress and everything. And I just think that movie portrays it beautifully. Um, and it makes the movie so much better. There's one thing, though, that I don't like about this movie, and it's one specific scene, and it kind of talks about who Peter is as a character. You know, obviously, the movie's trying to portray the Spider-Man No More arc from the comics. I've never had the chance to read that story arc, so I can't personally speak to as what it's about in the story, or in the comics. But the scene that bugged me in the movie was specifically the scene where he's getting a hot dog, he's getting food or something, and he just watches cars go by him. You know, that to me just kind of rubbed me the wrong way because from what I know about the character, he can't ignore danger. He can't ignore the fact that someone's, you know, someone's it might get hurt. You know, that that to me was just like, well, why, why are you doing that? You know, regardless if you have powers or not, go help them. You know, you're that you're that character. You're that person. And, you know, the, the, the scene that keeps running through my mind right now as I talk about it is a scene from Civil War where Captain America says... You know, sometimes I see a situation pointed south and I wish I could ignore it. And Tony says, no, you don't. And Cap admits, no, I don't. You're right. That to me is Spider-Man too. Spider-Man feels a need to help people. He feels a need to save lives if he can, if he can, regardless if he has powers or not. And eventually, you know, he comes, he comes back to the Spider-Man. He gets his power back. He's like, no, I need to stop these people. People on the train are going to get hurt and everything. So that makes up for it. And I still think overall the movie is beautiful and it's a great movie. And it's, you know, if I'm going to watch any movie out of those three, it's going to be that one. Um, but that's just like the one scene that bugs me in it is like, come on. Like, I think what would have worked better is if he was struggling with making the choice to help people or not, regardless if he had powers, you know, what if he followed the cars? What if he followed the, the police cars to whatever was happening and he tried to help without his powers and he ends up getting hurt or something and then it it still ties into the self-doubt theme of, I don't know if I can do this anymore, you know, and then there's also the side of, I don't know if I can live without these powers because I need to help people. And I think that that's something that could have been done maybe a little bit better, but again, overall, I think the movie is absolutely fantastic. Um... Again, it's one of the, it's the movie out of those three that I will watch. That if you ask me if I want to watch any of those three, I will say Spider Man Two. Um, but that's just the one thing that bugs me about it. So overall, great movie. That's the one flaw with it. That's why it's my number three spot. For number two, I have Spider Man Far From Home. Now the reason this is number two is this movie does something that a lot of people don't realize about Spider Man, and it's that. Sometimes he doesn't want the powers. He doesn't. And, you know, I think that this theme is present in Spider-Man 2. Um, but I think in Far From Home, it's... It, I like it better because it does the thing that I was just talking about with Spider-Man 2. Regardless if he has his powers or not, he still feels the need to help people. He still needs to make a difference. And obviously he doesn't lose his powers in Far From Home. But he doesn't want them. He wants to be the kid. He wants to go live his life and go on vacation with his friends and 
he wants to talk to MJ, but there's always that need to help people. And, you know, we see it in Venice. You know, he doesn't even have his suit with him, and he's thrown on a mask and is helping people. And I just think that that plays more into the character, more to what I think about the character, and that's why I think I like it more. And I think, you know, this movie carries the theme of responsibility better than any Spider-Man movie out there. Um, and, you know, it's, it's literally for the reason that I just explained. Um, he's always there to help. And, you know, regardless of how many other superpowered people are in the world, and regardless of what state he's in, he has a responsibility to help. And it is a really good coming-of-age story that highlights that, okay, I know you want to be a kid, and I know you want to have fun, I know you want to have a vacation, but you need to step up and save people. You know, Nick Fury literally says that to him. You know, step up, be a man. And that to me, that movie screams to me, you know, that's his his true growth into Spider-Man, you know, I know I have, you know, I know I'm on vacation, I know I want to have fun, but there's people who need my help, so I need to go help them. And I think that also ties back into the lines that he says in Civil War of when you have these powers and you don't do the things that I do, you know, the bad things happen because of you. And, you know, I honestly think that 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 line plays more in the Far From Home than it does in Homecoming or in Civil War. And, you know, that's just, I think the movie is, you know, it plays into those themes really really well and i think it portrays him better than any spider-man movie we have right now um but like outside of themes and everything casting amazing jake gyllenhaal as mysterio played it perfectly and i couldn't have asked for a better person to play the character um i genuinely believed that he was a good guy and it made me hope that he wasn't the same person from the comics and the scene in the bar where peter gives the glasses to him and as soon as they, as soon as Peter left and they they kept the camera on him, I was like, something's gonna something's gonna go wrong, and it honestly made me sad a little bit. Um, I just felt that I, I was I was upset that Peter was getting betrayed, and you know I don't know if that that's you know how I feel about Peter's character. I don't know if that if that speaks to how I feel about Spider Man, you know, and I just don't want that to happen. But Jake Gyllenhaal played that character so so well. Um. And he just elevated everything, you know, we thought we knew about that character, and it was amazing. So, that to me, he played it so well in that movie, and I really hope we get to see him again, whether it's an illusion, whether it's nightmares or something, whatever, whatever we're going to get in any form, I hope they bring Mysterio back. Um, And I hope he isn't dead, too. Uh, I really hope that he comes back in some form or way. Um... And there's all the, with with Far From Home. There's also the, we also have to consider the fact that it's following up Endgame, which was a huge cinematic event, and besides that, it was a great movie um, and carried a lot of consequences within that movie. And I thought Far From Home was a perfect follow up from Endgame because it was like it was lighthearted and funny, as a Spider-Man movie should be, but it also carried consequences and it also showed you that the choices Peter makes have consequences and you know obviously the direct one being you know oh i gave these glasses to beck now london's in trouble you know now the world is in trouble and i think that that movie it was the perfect way to follow up endgame because it's, it's funny you know you have these serious moments and you have these lighthearted moments which is i think is the perfect way to portray uh the character of spider-man and the best way to put him in a movie um and the one the last thing i want to say about this movie too is I think this is the most visually stunning live-action Spider-Man 
movie I've ever seen. Um, and I think that solely gives credit to Mysterio and his characters and the, the illusions he makes for Peter. Um, you know, I remember when we first found out that Mysterio was going to be the main character, I was wondering, you know, how are they going to do his illusions? Is he going to be an actual sorcerer, kind of like Doctor Strange? Is, are they going to change up his origin? Or is it going to be all fake? And Peter's going to have to figure out a way to fight it and whatnot. Um, and I, I don't think I could have asked for... I don't think... I think we got the best explanation we could have asked for. Um, you know, what happened in that movie just makes sense. That is, you know, it's Stark Tech, blah, 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 and everything. But the way they delivered it was amazing. Um, and that whole sequence of, you know, zombie Iron Man, we got the homecoming suit teased for a little bit within the, the illusion scene. Perfect. I, that scene was everything I could have asked for from a live action Mysterio. Um, and I just think that it was amazing. So that to me is why it is one of the most visually stunning Spider-Man movies, live action that I've ever seen. Um, for my number one spot, and I think a lot of people are going to agree with this, this is a really good movie, and there's a reason that I said Far From Home was the most visually stunning live-action movie, is because I think that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie, both visually and storytelling-wise. Um, this movie, to me, is a perfect balance of a Spider-Man origin story and a Spider-Man movie in general. Um, obviously, I think... They had a little, you know, you kind of, not cut them some slack, but they had a little bit of an advantage with using Miles Morales, who's getting his powers new, and then you had the experienced Spider-Man characters of Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy and stuff like that. But to me, this was the perfect, you know, balance of a Spider-Man origin story, because you're getting Miles going through his powers, and you're getting him figuring out, and the fear that is in him, because he doesn't know what's happening to him. But then it's also a good Spider-Man movie because you get the scenes of, you know, the Spider-Man characters fighting and they know how to use their powers and they know how to utilize their skills in the best way that, that suits them. Um, and that kind of goes into my second point that the, each personality in this movie made them distinct and added a fun mix to it. You know, we have Nicolas Cage's character, Spider-Man Noir very serious, very dark. He has his jokes here and there. He was kind of like a weird kind of comic relief in the movie, but he's very gritty, very dark. But then you have Peter Porker, who's a literal cartoon to the characters in the movie. And that just added a fun, weird mix to the movie. And I think that made it enjoyable. You know, I could talk more about the other characters too, but that's the most extreme kind of difference that I could talk about. And I think that they use it so well to their advantage, even in their fighting styles. You know, we see Spider-Man Noir is literally just having like an all-out brawl with uh, Tombstone, I think it was. And then you have Peter Porker, who's dropping an anvil on Scorpion's head. Like, it makes no sense, but because of the plot in the movie, it does. And it, it just makes everything funnier it makes it more enjoyable and if you really buy into it it really makes the movie so much more enjoyable um the one thing the, the next thing i want to get into too is you know choosing miles as the main character i think is the best decision sony could have made and i i truly 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 believe that because we have seven other movies on this list that focus on peter parker and i think introducing miles morales into a form of mass media outside of comics 
was genius. And I know he's in TV shows and everything, but he's never been the headliner. And I think that that was a genius move by Sony. Because one, you're already differentiating yourself in a sort of way from the other Spider-Man movies. And obviously the plot of the movie also differentiates themselves from the other ones. But showing showcasing that the main character is Miles Morales just makes it so much better. Um, you know, I have a cousin now who his favorite character is Miles because of this movie. You know, he loves him. And that makes me happy because it's another person that enjoys the character of Spider-Man, regardless if it's Peter or Miles. Um, that's To me, that's just one of the smartest movies Sony moves Sony could have ever made with this character is choosing it to be Miles instead of Peter Parker. Um, and, you know, Miles learns a lot over the movies. And a lot of them are the themes that carry within the movies. And it's, you know, there's a theme of family and his father and his father and him becoming closer throughout the movie. But then there's also the theme of uh, you got to confront your fears, you know, and it, they're all prevalent within the movie and they all serve a purpose and they all enhance the plot. And I think, it, it, you know, it goes to show, you know, we see at the end, although you could argue like, OK, well, he was dressed up as Spider-Man, so dad doesn't know it's him. You know, Miles learns that his dad does love him. You know, he may be hard on him, but he does love him. And Miles just has to kind of take that. And, you know, there's also the, the theme of confronting your fears. Um, you know, he has to take that leap of faith. I mean, the words are literally said in the movie. It's a leap of faith, Miles. You just got to do it. But he has to take that leap of faith off the building to, to embrace his powers. And I think, you know, I can't speak enough to the... Um, to the scene where Miles finally embraces everything and he's mastering his powers. I can't say enough about that scene. It's beautiful and it means so much and it carries so much weight with it. Um, but that deep down, that was just him confronting his fears. And I thought that that was the most perfect way they could have done that. Um, kind of referencing uh, Far From Home again. This is one of the most visually stunning movies. If not, it is actually, I'm going to correct that. It is the most visually stunning movie I've ever seen for a Spider-Man movie. Um, Obviously, they can do a lot more with animation, um, but the effort that they put into it to make it a visually stunning animation movie, you can tell it's there. And, you know, the scene that always is going to come to my mind is, you know, the ending scene where they're fighting at the, um, forgetting the name of it, but it's when all the universes come out and everything, and you get the weird colors in the scene, and there's just so much in that movie that makes it so nice and and so many of the ways that they portrayed things about spider-man the thing that comes in my mind in an animation kind of sense is a spider sense you know we see shortly after miles gets bit we see him go down to the tunnel to find the spider and then the, the spider sense is, is ringing through his mind and it's you know watching that you can kind of feel it you know you kind of feel what's going on in his mind and then the the shot of him standing with his back to the window and then you see the watch out on the window i thought was a great way to kind of portray it and that's what kind of, you know, it's those little details like that that kind of play into it and make a movie so much better. Um, and for my last point about this movie, the tiny little details in it make it so much, so much better. Um, I love all things like Easter eggs and, and whatnot and stuff like that. And they pack so much into this movie that makes it love me even more. But there's, there's one thing I want to talk about in particular. I remember when this movie was coming out or after it came out. I was watching a video on YouTube about it, and it was one of the animators who worked on the movie, and they said that they put so many tiny details into the animation that people still haven't found it. And the one thing that he revealed was when they animated Spider-Man Peter Parker swinging, they did it in, 
I think 30 frames per second. So it's a smooth kind of motion and it feels natural for him. And this, I'm specifically talking about the wood scene where uh, Doc Ock is revealed. Um, in that scene, they animate Peter Parker 30 frames per second. Make it makes it look smooth. It kind of feels natural for him. He's been doing this for a while. It's meant to convey that. But then they animate Miles at 24 frames per second, I think it was. And it makes his movements look more choppy, um, kind of rough and unfinished. Um, and it just goes to portray even more that he doesn't know these powers yet. And he's still getting used to them, and he's not getting the same kind of fluidity that Peter Parker has. And it's those small little details like that that make me love the movie even more. Because it's you can tell that they put the time into it, and they put the effort into it, and it just makes it so much better. Um, and they eventually do animate Miles, I think, at 30 frames per second. I think once, you know, the scene where he is at night embracing his powers. Um, I can't think of the song for the scene. I would refer to it as the song, but I can't think of it. Um, when he when that scene comes around, he is 30 frames per second because he's getting it. He's more fluid. He's confident in himself. And that is just, uh, that to me just is the cherry on top of why this movie is the perfect Spider-Man movie and why it sits at the top of my list. Um, I honestly, I could go on even longer about this movie, but that's actually all the points that I wrote down. So I will be back next week. I'm going to be recording again. And please stay safe out there. Please give us a follow on Twitter at NSN Podcast. Again, that is NSN Podcast. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.